Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Warzabaka, Director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear personal stories from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is capital punishment, and today on the show, we're talking with Senator Steve Huffman, co-sponsor of the Ohio Senate Bill 103 to repeal the death penalty here in Ohio. So, Senator Huffman, thank you for giving us some time this morning. Thank you for having me again. So, Senator, you're representing a district from the Dayton area right here in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. I think you're probably labeled most commonly as a conservative Republican. Is that fair to say? I would say that I'm a conservative pro-life Republican. Excellent. But that doesn't always go hand in hand, right, with being against the death penalty. So have you always felt this way or did you kind of have a change of heart at some point in your life to become against the death penalty? Yeah, as a conservative Republican, a death penalty for punishment was the norm. And over the last couple of years with prayer and reflection, you you know, if you're going to be pro-life, you need to be pro-life from the beginning of life to end. Right. And that only God should be the one that decides who lives or dies, and not a judge, because there is value to life. Right, exactly. There is value to life at all stages. That's certainly what we believe as Catholics. So let's talk about this bill that you are a co-sponsor of, right? So how did this discussion start? How long have you been working on it? Have you been working on it for a long time, trying to find the support, and this looks like the right time? Or has this all come up pretty quickly? Well, there's a version of this that has been around the General Assembly in Ohio for about four or five years. Okay. I brought the bill this time because I think it's time to move in that direction. I, You know, Virginia has recently done away with the death penalty. We have not executed anyone in four or five years because the state has found it difficult, the right cocktail of drugs to use. Governor DeWine has delayed. I think the next one is not scheduled to 2023. So I think it's the right time. And if it's not this General Assembly, we'll continue to push forward until it happens. You kind of already answered this question, but I'll throw it out again anyway. What led to it coming up at this time in particular? I I looked up the stats. There are about somewhere between 10 and 12 people have been killed on death row here in the state of Ohio in the past about 10 years or so. Although, like you mentioned, 2018 was the last time it did happen. That was about four years ago. There were other times where it was a little more common here in Ohio. Is there something going on that makes it this seem like the right time to try to get this to happen? I think that there's a momentum across the country in other states and other areas that this is happening. And I think that Ohio needs to join with that and, and make Ohio a place where there's no longer the death penalty. You know, I've been learning about this topic for a few years. I've even spoken on this show with a couple of exonerees right here from Ohio, Joe D'Ambrosio and Kwame, with some great stories if people want to listen to those, for crimes they didn't commit, right? And as well as people who are currently on death row. And people can put forth many reasons for abolishing the death penalty. It's applied arbitrarily, it seems, sometimes. It's certainly not reserved for only the most heinous of crimes. It's skewed against the poor and minorities. It's expensive. The percentage of innocent people is certainly unacceptable. It doesn't deter crime. What, what are some of the primary reasons you would personally put forth as to why the death penalty should be abolished? After the secular reason, I, I think that there's a financial reason. It costs two to three times more to put someone to death than to put them in life in prison. And it's just because of all the appeals and things like that, it makes it expensive. 
I was just going to say another people wondering why is it so expensive? That's part of it. And also people typically, if you're on death row, it takes decades. <laughs> you're well, on, there, you're in jail yeah, for yeah. decades. Yes. There's a man in Dayton that's been on death row well over 25 years. And right. I think the average is somewhere around 18 to 20 years to be on death row. Another reason you, you touched on was exoneration. One out of six people in the state of Ohio have been exonerated from death row. And it's not a perfect system. Absolutely not. Until we can make it a perfect system and that innocent people wouldn't be put to death, we need to get rid of it. It's selectively used. You, you look at Hamilton and Cuyahoga County. They have the vast majority of people on death row. And that's by the will of the prosecutors in those counties that it just would take a case to the death penalty rather than life without prison. And we're not talking that these criminals are going to go free. It is life without the possibility of parole. So they will serve. Another reason, my sister's a judge in Montgomery County, and she has seen a number of death penalty cases herself. And she had a friend that was a horrendous crime. I won't go into the details, but it was an attorney friend of hers parent. And they chose life without parole. And she asked them and said, why? She said, because we need closure. Granted, you will always think of your parent or your sibling or someone that was killed. There's never closure, but in the sense that they would have to go to court for the next 15, 18, 20 years to go back and say, yes, we want the death penalty because of these reasons. And they would have to relive whatever crime or whatever happened over and over again. And the son of the victim said, hey, look, you know, granted, we're going to relive this, but we don't have to do it in that way all the time. And we can be done. We don't have to keep going to these hearings. That's a very good point. If someone is sentenced to life in prison, then it's pretty much over when that trial is over and you can move on. But if it's the death penalty, it can take decades that you're constantly going back and going to more hearings and, and going through more appeals. I mean, the family never gets a chance to really move on. So there's a lot to be said for that as well. So I already brought this up. I interviewed on this show two different people right here from Ohio that spent decades on death row before having their case dismissed. There's a well-known movie just came out, Just Mercy, an innocent death row inmate from, I think it was Alabama. Yeah. And social scientists are pretty much agree. It's, it's like impossible to know exactly. You were talking about one in six, how many people are sitting on death row that are actually innocent. The guesses can be at least 4%. They can be a lot higher than that. Do you have any insight as to how it happens that innocent people get convicted on death row? I guess, you know, there's a lot of different particulars, but they're coerced into a, a confession eyewitnesses aren't that great. Uh, you know, if you have the DNA and evidence like that, it's it's much better. But eyewitnesses get it wrong and, and are not sure what they see when things happen. All right. If you read that book, Just Mercy, or watch that movie, that's just one example of the ways that that often happens. You've already mentioned it depends a lot upon what the prosecutor of a given county wants to do. If he or she is someone who is really for the death penalty and really aggressively likes to pursue those things, then it's more likely to happen that someone could end up on death row and actually be innocent. It's, it's astounding how that can happen. But for those who are listening or those who are thinking, well, okay, that's all bad. Maybe that sounds like something that can be fixed. Maybe they believe, right? But it's, it's still be reserved for the most heinous of crimes. What do you have to say about that? People who believe that way? I would disagree with him because it's still life. 
God is the one who should be the decider if someone lives or dies. It should not be the judge and it shouldn't be the people. They do have value. I think we should pray for their souls, for what they've done, and, and have them find God in life without parole. Right. God decides how much time they need to convert, right? not us. That's a, there you go. There's another yep. reason right there. But the people I've spoken with, I've interviewed four different people, either exonerees or people currently on death row on this show here. And all four of those, they were not convicted of crimes, innocent or guilty. They were not convicted of crimes that in my mind, at least seem like they ought to be falling in the category of someone who would be on death row. Right. When I think of death row, I think when most people think of the death penalty, they think of serial killers. They think of people who torture and then kill, perhaps. They think of bombing in elementary school, perhaps, killing a lot of children. I mean, that's what people think of, I think. But what they don't think of a convenience store robbery that goes bad, right? Where you're trying to get a hundred bucks and there's a struggle and the gun goes off and someone kills. And yet those are the reasons. So often, because it's a murder connected with a felony that sometimes people get on death row for. And I even, I didn't speak with this person, but I know of someone who's on death row for being the getaway driver. Didn't even get out of the car, right? And yet he's the one on death row. It doesn't sound like a capital offense. Do you know of other situations, right? That happens in Ohio, right? That, that It happens all over the country. And, and you're right. And you would like to see it the worst of the worst, the serial killer, or the, the mass killings and things. And unfortunately, you know, some prosecutors don't look at it that way. And, you know, they won't offer a, a plea deal because they always have the death penalty hanging over this person. Right. It so often depends on the values of the prosecutor of that particular county, right? Or where, where it is that they stand. And it's generally in this country, a good way to get elected by using the phrase tough on crime. Nobody's against the idea of being tough on crime, mm -hmm. but it seems to be synonymous with sometimes at least it's synonymous with making sure you get the words of the worst, which too often means pursuing the death penalty or capital punishment in cases that most people probably don't even think ought to be in that category. So let's get back to the bill. So the Senate bill, what is the process? Where is it in the process? And how soon might we expect it to come up to a vote to possibly get passed here in the state of Ohio? Well, my uh, joint sponsor, uh, Senator Antonio out of Cleveland, we've had two hearings in the Senate. There's a companion bill in the House, which means it's it's exactly the same. And it was brought by uh, Representative Gene Schmidt from Claremont County and Representative Byrd. I don't believe they've had a hearing yet, but hopefully sometime later this fall, we'll have a few more hearings in, in both chambers. And, and hopefully we can convince leadership to bring it to the floor to get a vote, to pass it to the other chamber, to get it passed by the end of the, this General Assembly. But there's a lot of hard work. Is it a matter of educating your fellow senators and, and fellow representatives so that you can get their votes before you hold the vote? Is that how that Right. So, so we've had sponsored testimony and then we had proponent testimony. There'll be opponents and then a series of all testimony to, to me, it's it's more of an understanding to get all members of the, the House and the Senate to actually understand why this needs to be done now and, and why we should go forward with it. There's there's two bills, one in the House and one in the Senate, right? right? What, what What is the purpose of having it in both legislators at the same time? So that they can hear the same thing at the same time. So if it, if it goes to the floor of the Senate, so if they've already heard it, then they can quickly move it rather than get bogged down and say, well, we haven't heard this and we ran out of time. 
they've already heard it. And so they can have one or two quick hearings and say, you know, we've already made up our mind uh, about this and move it through committee quickly. So it's a big time saver. They're both listening. Right. To, and whichever one gets through first and whichever they can then mm-hmm. introduce it to the other. And now it hasn't just begun on that side. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, it's always good talking with someone who understands how that process works, yeah. <laughs> right? All right, great. So in best case scenario, this could happen. How you said sometime this fall. Correct. And if it still happens in this session, what would be the last opportunity for that? Is it a year from December? Oh. So, so in December of 22, and then, then we'd have to start it all over. Okay. So we have about 15 months or something in yep. that category to get this done with the current people in the legislature. So you're the co-sponsor of this bill. Did this come up specifically with you or did your co-sponsor bring it up to you and say, hey, let's do this together? Who Senator Antonio has had it for a couple of years and asked me to join her because she knew my feelings about getting rid of the death penalty and my Catholic faith and my pro-life stance. All right. Well, people listening to this, they want to get on board. They want to help. What can people do? Well, contact your representatives and senators directly. Tell them how you feel about this. The same way that we Catholics should deal with the pro-life. Continue to pray that this will change. And I think that we'll continue to see positive things in both pro-life and repealing the death penalty with continued prayer. For those who don't even know who their representative is <laughs> or who their senator is, mm-hmm. there a website like Ohio.gov or something where you could look that up and type yeah. in your zip code kind of thing? OhioSenate.gov and OhioHouse.gov. Okay. So if you go to OhioSenate.gov, welcome. We're glad you're here. Look on the menu up there on the menu. Click on Senators. Then find your senator. There you go. There's a map. And then you can type in your address. I will type in the address of my work, 100 East A Street, Cincinnati. Fine district. And there it is. Cecil Thomas, Senator of District 9 in Cincinnati, for example. And then you go what? OhioHouse.gov. And then OhioHouse.gov. Probably so. Members, I go to yeah. district map. There you go. Same and then there's the address. Enter again. your address 100 East 8th Street, Cincinnati. And Catherine D. Ingram is a yep. representative in that particular area. So that's how you find out who your representative is. And then you right there on the same websites, the Senator or Ohio House, you can contact that center and find out if that. Center is for or against the death penalty. You can also go to nodeathpenaltyoh.com. And there's a campaign supported by the Ohio Conference of Catholic Bishops as well, where you can find it, even an already generated email that you can send to your local representatives as well, if you want to do it that way, or look up the number and give them a call. As someone who is a senator in Ohio right now, what can you tell us about sending an email or sending a letter or calling my senators? What can you tell us about when constituents contact you and how much of a difference that can make? If you make it direct and personal, 
especially on this topic, I have found conversations with my fellow senators and representatives is, is, is that they're truly on the fence because they're hard conservative that we have to be hard on crime, but they're also pro-life and they're being torn in that direction. And I think the more and more people that will contact them with passionate stories will certainly help people turn the weight so we can get rid of the death penalty. Do you think there's a method that's most effective, email, personal letter, phone call? I think if you can't get to Columbus or meet with them yourselves, a personal letter is is always the best. So if the listeners, you want to educate yourself a little bit more on this topic in order to prepare to write a personal letter, some of the story, again, you can go to nodeathpenaltyoh.com. Or you can also go listen to Kwame's story very recently this month in October on the death penalty and his story or Joe D'Ambrosio. That was in July of 2019. So look back on the archives of Being Pro-Life and hear his story as well and learn more about how it is that an innocent person can get convicted even in this state of Ohio for a capital offense. Okay, anything else you want to share about uh, anything we've talked about, Senator, before it is that we close up? From an international standpoint, countries look at us and feel it's a human rights violation to put people to death. Countries will not extradite people back to the United States because they may face the death penalty. So they never come back to get justice around the international world. If we get rid of the death penalty and they wouldn't be facing that, people would be able to come back for trial around the world and and our position in in the world would be looked different because we're not putting people to death. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Senator Huffman, for spending time with us this morning and educating us about the, the process of this bill here in Ohio to try to end the death penalty. And we will be praying with you and working with you to hope to make that happen sometime in the next year. Hey, thank you very much and God bless. All right, and I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view all the links talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash beingprolife. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.